Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Tell me, how would your life be different if you stopped worrying about things you can't control and started focusing on the things you can? That's a quote from Steve Maraboli, who is a speaker, an author, a personal coach, and a national radio show host. That's an interesting quote. How would your life be different if you stopped worrying about things you can't control and started focusing on the things you can. Now, one of the things you can control is how you think about your employment journey, your career, your ability to work. I call it an employment journey. You may call it something else. But in what I call the new employment reality, I believe that a successful career is the individual's responsibility and not the responsibility of parents, of colleges and universities and other educational institutions. It's not the responsibility of employers or friends. The responsibility, in my opinion, rests with the individual. Now, there was a time when people used to go to school, graduate from high school or college, technical school, two-year college. They got a job, and they may have kept that job until they retired. They had a job for life was the phrase that was used. And if they didn't stay on that one job, they could get another job without a problem. But that's not the case any longer. Now, after the Great Recession of, I guess, 2008, 2009, and even a little before, people became aware that it wasn't as easy to get hired as it once had been. And it wasn't as easy to keep a job as it had been. You couldn't rely on keeping that job until you retired even if you wanted to. So now, in view of this change in the employment landscape, I submit to you that it's up to job seekers. It's up to the individual to train themselves to land a job by 
distinguishing themselves from the competition. And I say distinguishing themselves. Many people use differentiating themselves. I don't agree with that. In today's job market, in a competitive job market, being different isn't enough. You've got to distinguish yourself from everyone else who is after the job you're after. If you're just different, it may be not enough. But if you shoot for the stars, if you bring your A game, if you exude personality, you exude confidence without being cocky, if you verbalize what you bring to the table in terms of integrity, commitment, willingness to work, willingness to be what is needed in the time when the rubber meets the road. That's distinguishing yourself. Everyone may not be on board with that because distinguishing yourself is not easy. You've got to really think about it. But I submit that that's what it's going to take in a tough job market. Now, keeping the job you get and then getting promoted, advancing in the job you get, that's another matter. Because once you get the job, it's your job as long as the employer wants it to be your job, unless you choose, alternatively, to resign and go elsewhere. But keep in mind that after you're hired, you only have that job as long as the employer keeps the job there, wants you to work in the job where you are, or the employer moves the job you're in to another state or to another country, another location. Let's speak generically. Now, as I said, employers can eliminate positions. And by doing that, your opportunities for promotions will be limited. Your opportunity to continue employment will be limited. So whether you're looking for a new job or just getting back into the workforce, you're bound to run into surprises, things that you really hadn't thought of, you hadn't considered because you weren't aware that circumstances had changed so drastically, and there'll be more surprises likely created by the pandemic. Against that backdrop, my goal has been for the past several years and continues to be, I desire to close the information gap by identifying common errors and offering advice that I wish somebody had given me when when I began working and later when I changed my career, which I did several times. Now, the books that I've written, Get the Job Done, and the book that I've just written, Your Employment Matters, tentatively entitled Your Employment Matters, are designed, at least in my mind, and hopefully it comes across, I have been told that they do, to empower readers to become more successful job candidates and employees. So now, how do I do that, you may ask. And if you ask that question, thank you. It's a good question. 
those of you who are just beginning your job searches because you're you're graduate, you're new graduates, or you're unemployed, or you're employed but you're looking for another opportunity. The objective is to prepare you for your employment journey and put you in the state in the state of mind to be successful. Now, when I say state of mind, that's just what I mean. You need to look for a job as though you have a job. It's the job, your job is looking for a job. You should work eight hours at least, eight hours a day in furtherance of your job search. Whether it's looking at job boards, whether it's going to events either virtually or live, depending on the circumstances, whether it's reaching out to contacts to see if they are, if they know of any jobs that you may be suited for, you're looking for an opportunity. And sometimes opportunities are there and you don't avail yourself of them because It's not convenient. The timing is off in your opinion. Let me say this to you. Take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves because they may not appear again. Now, I offer my advice freely. My feelings will not be hurt if you don't follow them. My advice is given freely. My feelings are not hurt if you choose not to follow the advice I give, but you will not be heard to complain if you don't. The books that I've written describe the work involved in looking for a job, and it also offers career planning advice and advice for career advancement for those people who want to be promoted. Now, If you're one of those ones who wants to be promoted, that is with with your current employer, the employer you currently work for, don't forget there's another option. If you are not getting promoted where you are, you can look for a job elsewhere and move on and move up with a new employer. People sometimes are hesitant to step out like that. But there is no job security anymore. You cannot, as I said earlier, you cannot rely on working for that employer, the employer that you're working for now. It just may not happen. You may want to consider looking for another job which pays you more money and moving on. Your choice. My books also provide information about your rights as well as your employer's rights. You both have rights. Be mindful that you have rights, but remember, please remember that exercising those rights may have consequences that you need to be aware of before you assert the rights that you now know you have. Having rights is not a one-way street. As I said, your employers have rights too. Unfortunately, many people misinterpret, let's say. They misinterpret and misunderstand the law. Please don't be one of those. Don't be a jackleg lawyer and assert your rights that you don't really have or that you have 
But if you exercise them inappropriately, in your employer's opinion, you could lose your job. Be mindful of that, please. Now, you deserve to know why you should consider following my advice. So let me introduce myself. I'm Beverly Williams. I grew up in a pro-union household because my father was a member of the United States Steel Workers, and my mother was a member of the Communication Workers of America. My father was his union president and subsequently began working for the AFL-CIO in Trenton. Obviously, organized labor is a part of my DNA. My respect for the efforts of organized labor is hardwired. But to my father's chagrin, as a labor relations executive, before even before I went to law school, and after I became an attorney, I represented the management side of negotiations. And even as a legal consultant now, I also advise attorneys who represent labor unions as well as manage uh, the management side as the uh, employers. I've worked in management and non-management positions in union and non-union environments. As a high school student, I worked in a direct mail factory uh, running a, a paper sorting machine. I worked as a college student counselor. I was a human resource specialist in a large urban municipality, a large East Coast university, and a quasi-private bi-state agency as well. I've also worked as a human resources and labor relations executive in a large urban school district. As an attorney, I was employed by a national labor and employment law firm, and I have lectured extensively about employment law and career issues. And as I said earlier, I've written two books. So I've had an eclectic employment journey. Now, my career goal starting out was to become a vice president of a Fortune 500 company, and I achieved my career goal. Now, my diverse, eclectic employment history has given me the opportunity to work with a a wide variety of people of different ages, ethnicities, races, gender, sexual orientations, and expressions. Now, and I'm, I'm not a parent. But on occasion, I am called upon by my friends, their children, and sometimes their older friends and relatives to coach and mediate career matters. I know what they're going through, and I want to share the information that I've acquired as I sojourned through my employment experience. So when I wrote my first book, as I said, it was around the the Great Recession, people were angry, they were frustrated, and they were very frightened because they knew that the employment situation had changed, but they didn't fully grasp how extensive or permanent the change was and what they should do to make sure that they could provide for themselves and their loved ones. And people who had always worked, always worked, were unemployed or underemployed and struggling or unable to make ends meet. Now, 
on the other side of the equation, there were people, employees who had jobs but suffered from survivor's guilt because they had a job. They weren't discharged or laid off, but they were anxious about whether that would change. Would their employment continue? What did the future hold for them? And quite frankly, their their concern was justified. Now, my second book, Your Employment Matters, was written during the pandemic. I just I'm going to submit the first draft later this week. It updates and expands on my first book. And as I wrote both books, I saw news reports about people adversely affected by the economy and the changes in the employment landscape. And their faces and their stories touched me. They they were like the tragic stories and images associated with Hurricane Katrina in 2005, Superstorm Sandy in 2012, Hurricane Maria, and other natural disasters. Now, I couldn't help those victims personally, not on a one-on-one situation, but I said to myself back then, I can help people I can empower people who have employment issues. My books, my website, this podcast, I see as tools, tools people can use to successfully navigate what I call the new employment reality. Whether you have little or no work experience or you have so much experience in one area that it's difficult to transition into another, those tools can help you. Now, the internet is fabulous. I love it. And there's a wealth of information out there, information about how to find a job and how to manage your career. But this wealth of information can be overwhelming. How do you determine which blogger, author, or other employment expert has advice you should consider? apart from guidance, suggestions, or recommendations, neither your technological proficiency nor your wisdom or experience will be enough to evaluate the huge amount of free employment-related material that's available on the internet. How do you know where to start? I can help. My objective was to write articles, books, whatever, and give speeches, presentations, talk at meetings, talk to parents, grandparents that provide much needed information to a variety of people at different levels and different points in their careers. And I wasn't afraid to ask for help. I elicited feedback and input from adults of all ages, ethnicities, and backgrounds at various stages of their careers. And not only did I receive relevant, solid feedback, I also expanded my network and established what I hope will become enduring, uh, lasting uh, relationships. Now, I recognize that improving the economic picture and creating jobs are beyond the control of most people. Remember, Steve's quote, but there are aspects of your employment situation over which you do have control. 
most individuals at some time in their lives will have an interest in employment advice. Why? Quite simple. At some point, almost all of us have to work, regardless of where we're from, what we do, what religion we follow, and whether we have we're able-bodied or we have a disability that may be debilitating but doesn't prevent us from earning a living. We all need information. If you read my books, if you look at my, if you listen to my podcast, you'll notice that occasionally I refer to sports teams and media programming. It doesn't matter what teams you follow or which way you lean on current issues. It also doesn't matter if you want to be a plumber, a doctor, a manager, a lab technician, a lawyer, or an executive. We all have the same goals. We want to impress decision makers enough to be hired. We hope that our supervisors will be sufficiently impressed to promote us and increase our compensation. Now, there's another thing that my books address, and it's etiquette, primarily general etiquette, and it identifies resources that you can use to acquire additional information about the specifics of etiquette. But civility and being respectful will take you a long way in the workplace. And if you're not these things, you should acquire them. If you don't, you may not do well. You may not do as well as you would if you had them. Now, of course, there's always workplace etiquette to learn, regardless of whether you think your position is permanent or temporary. There's workplace etiquette, whether you work in an office or a factory. There is also etiquette to follow to receive the job offer in the first place. All those things, you wouldn't think that etiquette would be that important. And it sounds like, it may sound like, why do I have to do that? It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. You need to know what to do. If you choose not to use what you know, that's on you. Ignorance should never be an excuse. Although in some fields, technology is driving the recruitment process, other aspects of achieving employment success either haven't changed or have changed only slightly. And as I said, etiquette, also known as old-fashioned manners, are still key. Now, to give there a few more considerations, in both books, And in speeches I give, I provide tips and references. And sometimes the tips and references appear more than once in a publication. I may say, I may identify them more than once in a speech. Sometimes I do it for emphasis, and sometimes I do it because they deserve to be mentioned under more than one topic. The tips that I identify and that I suggest may seem simple and more like common sense than professional advice. But something that one person may take for granted might never occur to someone else. And as someone told me once, common sense is not commonly held. And in my experience, 
I have found that, unfortunately, to be true. So now, although the references and the advice provided in my publications and on my website, they're based on professional experiences and observations by myself and others, they should be considered along with your individual circumstances. It's not one size fits all. It's a suggestion. It's something for you to think about. If if it doesn't work for you, go online, uh, conduct further research and see if you can find something that's a better fit for you. In the interest of full disclosure, I admit that for more than one reason, I haven't always followed the advice that I, I give now. I mean, the primary reason, as I said, I didn't know. It was ignorance. And ignorance is no excuse when you can acquire additional information, but you don't know what you don't know. But if you're listening to me now, if you hear me now, there's no excuse for ignorance. The internet is a treasure trove of information. And if you don't avail yourself of that information, ignorance is no excuse. I wasn't always aware of the employment do's and don'ts. And believe me, there are do's and don'ts. One of the don'ts is you don't throw people under the bus. You don't say, oh, no, I didn't do that. So-and-so did it. Oh, so-and-so didn't do what he was supposed to do. I told him to do it. I asked him if he would do it. He didn't do it. So it's his fault. It's not my fault. You don't do that. It's not done. So how can I say this? The fact that having gone to college and received an undergraduate degree, having gone to graduate school and received a master's, having gone to law school uh, and graduated and became an attorney, Education was just not enough to give me everything that I needed. Skills aren't enough. Networks alone aren't enough. Intelligence isn't enough. All these things help. But I learned from trial and error experience and from people who were generous with enough with their time to mentor me later in my life and in my career. That in a competitive job market, especially, you need more. At the very least, I want to begin to discuss the changes in the employment landscape and to suggest how people can achieve success, how they can get better results from their job search. That's my personal goal. Beginning a national discussion about the need to shift or disrupt how we think about employment generally. Now, I've delivered lectures, seminars, and workshops, as I said, to parents, students at university, graduate students. I taught a labor relations course at uh, Rutgers Graduate School of Public Administration. I've spoken at urban and and suburban public and private schools, Johns Hopkins in, in Baltimore, Maryland. I've talked about how the employment landscape has changed and, and what people can do to navigate the current terrain or, or to better prepare themselves for the future. And I've been moved because my message has been met with understanding and acceptance. And yet, 
And yet, I, unless I'm wrong, I fear that my presentations, my publications have resulted in little action. Um, admittedly, the scope and breadth of the changes to the workplace and what these changes mean is downright scary. But I know, I know this, afraid or chicken though we may be, and paralyzed by that fear, we cannot afford to be. We cannot afford to be inactive. We must be proactive because unfortunately, inaction is a luxury we cannot afford. And the inconvenient truth glaring us in the face is that we may want things to be as they once were when skilled and unskilled workers like my father and mother could always find jobs, when educated and less educated people likewise could find employment by looking in a newspaper, a print newspaper, not digital, not online, print. We may want to return to a time when a college degree and hard work were stepping stones to employment success. But we know, we know with some degree of certainty that there are still people with multiple degrees who are out of work. I suggest that we shift our reliance on employers to plot our career paths and assume responsibility for our employment futures. How do we do this? By playing by new rules and adjusting to the new rules that are developed. How can we do this? When you consider the impact of the following technological advances, global competition, market trends, industry development and forces, profit margins, we don't have any choice but to follow new rules and develop them as we go along. We may need to develop new rules for ourselves. We may need to work at lower paying jobs while preparing to acquire new positions because we're getting training at the same time. We may need to work multiple jobs, which I've done. I've worked a full-time job. Well, I worked full-time when I went to law school and went to law school at night. I've always worked. It's never been a problem for me. And I've, all, I've worked on more than one occasion, more than one job. These trends advances, the competition, the industry forces, the profit margins. These are just a few of the factors that deserve our attention because they impact employment generally and our employment specifically. Each individual's employment. Technology's impact on employment has been and will continue to be profound. That effect that email, overnight mail delivery, smartphones, and me- social media have had now on the U.S. Post Office and how it does business, its volume of business, as well as how we communicate generally, is noteworthy. The shift in how we communicate did not occur overnight. It happened gradually. We should become familiar with business developments and the global economy. 
We live in the greatest country in the world, but we are not the only game available to global citizens. The technological developments that drive business changes all also affect the types of jobs and the number of workers needed to perform those jobs. Remember Steve Maraboldi's quote, essentially summarized, do what you can do. Focus on what you can do. Work harder and faster and retool and reinvent yourself. I strongly recommend that you reconsider how you handle employment matters, that you manage your career aggressively and strategically, that you set goals, perform at a high level, give yourself a reasonable time to achieve your goals, assess your marketability, and consider whether locating to another state or country will place you in a better position to achieve your goals. Manage your expectations. I also recommend that you acquire additional training and education to enhance your skill set, that you create multiple income streams, that you work with family, friends, and your community to develop entrepreneurial opportunities that may then create new businesses and revenue streams, and that you keep abreast of industry and societal developments. Some time ago, I saw a poster that struck a nerve. It said, it's difficult to soar with eagles when you work with turkeys. The goal is to soar. Soar, S-O-A-R, S. Seek information rather than affirmation. By definition, your family and friends are not objective about you and your talents. You need input from an eclectic group of people that you can rely on to give you constructive feedback. It's essential. S also stands for share and collaborate with others. People that you don't know, people that you may not have anything in common, actively seek out people who are different from you. Get to know them and learn about their culture and languages. If you work remotely, you'll need to make a special effort to connect with friends, coworkers, and new people online and in person. Face-to-face exchanges are helpful to sharpen verbal communication skills, including establishing eye contact and body language. O stands for operate throughout your life with integrity and dignity and bring it to your career. In the workplace, you always want it said that you are a reliable, hard worker, who is creative, resourceful, that means you go beyond that which is expected, and that you're trustworthy. You're also known to be a person of good character, integrity, one who can be relied upon to tell the truth. As you move forward, your reputation should precede you, and it should be a reputation you can be proud of. O also stands for open your mind to change new ideas and new people and keep it open. A, assume or respect responsibility for your career and personal development. By proactively and strategically managing your employment journey, 
making well-thought-out career decisions refuting by your conduct negative or perhaps even inaccurate perceptions about you and your generation, gender, and or race, you'll position yourself to be a sought-after candidate for any position or promotion you seek. And R, respect the rights of others. Keep in mind that currently there are five generations of employees working side by side in the American workplace. Remember, we all have something to contribute. And finally, I hope you soar. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.